Welcome Los Angeles Ram fans to the first, the inaugural 11 Personnel Rams podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Vinny Bonsignor, along with my good friend Rich Hammond from The Athletic, a teammate now, a teammate before. Uh, we've, we've hit some spots, haven't we? Yeah, we sure have, Vinny. It's, it's great to, to be here. Rams fans, thank you for, for all your support. Thank you for checking out our, our first podcast here. We're hoping that, that this lives for, for years and years and that this kind of becomes your go-to Rams podcast as as we follow the team and perhaps back to another Super Bowl. We'll see where it goes. But but yeah, Vinny, it's it's great to be here with you. I, I can't believe if you would have told me twenty years ago that, that we'd be sitting here doing a, a Rams podcast, I'm not sure I would believe you. You know, Vinny and I go back twenty years. He was he was in the LA Daily News office the day I came in as a as a fresh faced twenty one year old to, to interview for a part time job and, and Vinny was the sage veteran back then and, and showed me the ropes and has always been a, a great friend and a, and a great colleague to work with. I'm so excited to have been here. Vinny's been here for the past year. I've been here for the past six months as more of an editor's role, but excited to get this going. It's been a joy to cover the Rams over the past three years to see where they've come from that awful 2016 season to the heights of the Super Bowl last year. So we don't know what's in store this year, but I I know Vinny and I are are both excited and looking forward to to bringing it to everyone, both in print and here on on the podcast. So, So let's get going, Vinny. Yeah, and we're going to be here typically every Monday and Friday. We're going to be talking about, you know, everything Rams related. And we have a lot to get into today. You know, obviously the last preseason game on Thursday against the Houston Texans. And, you know, in an interesting sort of way, has Sean McVay, their head coach, you know, kind of pioneered a new way of looking at the NFL preseason. I don't think he's necessarily feels like he's recreated the wheel or anything like that. And we'll get into that. We'll talk about the development of the offensive line. Obviously, two new starters, Joseph Noteboom at left guard and Brian Allen at center. Those are two big positions, two big shoes that they're getting ready to fill from the last couple of years. You know, obviously, we're going to talk about Jared Goff. Is he going to take another step in 2019? Todd Gurley and his knees and we're going to get into everything and just a heads up to, to, to our listeners we're all ears and we're here to serve you so if there's anything that you want us to talk about specifically coming up please hit us up on Twitter DM us whatever however email us whatever it is that you uh, do to, to, to get in touch with us we're, we're all uh, the more happy to, to help out and to give you the information that you're looking for and the inside analysis and commentary and everything else so we're here and I know Rich feels the same way and it's incredible to me that you know 20 years ago when I first met Rich there wasn't even a Los Angeles Rams they had literally just left for St. Louis and yeah we we always you know we're hoping that the NFL would come knocking back on our door here in Los Angeles but never in I don't think in anyone's wildest dreams did we actually think it would be the Rams that were coming back yet here they are and here we are doing a a podcast about a team that I think is you know as good as anyone in the NFL and has as bright a future as any team in the NFL so it's really exciting at this point to jump on board with with 11 personnel uh, uh Rams podcast and, and and just get after it. And I know Rich feels the same. It is, Vinny. Yeah, and it, it's great to you know to be on kind of on the ground floor. I, I know you were covering a lot of the relocation process and the twists and turns that that took. And and I jumped on in 2016 when when the team relocated and to see even this last three year this journey that they've made. You know, from being that four and twelve awful you know seven nine BS team to to go to a Super Bowl team. It's really been fascinating to to track and, and Sean McVay's development and and we've been doing it for the past three years and you know we've we've been podcasting before Vinny and I were were teammates back at the Southern California News Group and I think the last time we did a podcast was we were in Ryan Cartji's car we, we were like the guys from Wayne's World doing singing Bohemian Rhapsody in the back seat so we've come a long way we, we have an awesome professional producer which uh, is, is stunning to me that like 
like that Vinny, I think they actually want this to be good. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten that impression yet, but but the pressure is on here to be good. So so let's jump into this thing, Vinny. You've been you've been with the team through the entire training camp. You were up in Napa. You made that arduous trip to Hawaii. Uh, you know, thanks for biting the bullet on that. So congratulations on making through it. But we've reached the end here pretty much uh, after Thursday. I mean, what are your takeaways here? How how has this gone for the Rams? Is Sean McVay getting essentially what he needs out of this preseason? And and what are your thoughts here as as we kind of get into the last few days of this? Yeah, I believe he I believe he is, and obviously he's not playing his you know main starters. There's been a couple of defensive starters uh, who have played, but mostly because they were in position battles. Joseph Sebastian Day played two of the games. He missed Saturday's game with a little bit of a hamstring injury at nose tackle, but he's in a battle with Greg Gaines uh, for that spot. You know, obviously Micah Kaiser and Bryce Hager played at inside linebacker. Micah was the uh, odds-on favorite to win that job. Obviously, we know that he went down with a pectoral injury. Unfortunately, that looks like he's going to be out for, for a long while. But other than that, you know, it was basically backups that played. You know, talking to Sean about that, he's he's hesitant to, to start slapping himself on the back as if, as if he's you know, masterminded some new plan because he's readily said, look, this works for this team, this particular Rams team. He feels like, hey, my offense is where it needs to be. Uh, my defense is where it needs to be heading into this season. I'm comfortable with where they are. That might not be the case two years from now, three years from now. You know, not to say that Jared Goff won't be here because he will, but let's just say there's a rookie quarterback that all of a sudden is at the helm or um, an entirely new offensive line or whatever the case might be. He's left open the possibility that, you know, in a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, it might be a completely different approach to the preseason. So and that's what I like about Sean McVay. He's not so full of himself or so, um, you know, uh, thinking that he's the smartest guy in the room that he thinks that he's actually reinvented the wheel here. I think he's what 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 is so good about him is that he's flexible and he deals with situations as situations he feels need to be needs to be uh, dealt with. But as far as, you know, the, the Rams, what I've enjoyed about the way this approach has, has unfolded is is you know you're getting to see some really talented young players that may not have a major role this year but you can see them being a part of uh, the future uh, you know I some of the young defensive backs some of the young uh, linebackers that have really flashed over the last couple of weeks as players that you're going, okay, these guys can play right here. Natez Patrick, the undrafted rookie from from Georgia. Uh, Oboe, the second-year outside linebacker from Oklahoma who's really made his presence felt the last two games after not playing at all um, you know, since his senior year at Oklahoma. So you're starting to see guys that I think can have roles this year and are making noise. And we wouldn't have seen that necessarily had the starters been playing a big bulk of, uh, of time. And, and I know that, Rich, you were out there on Saturday. I'd love to get your views on where you think the Rams are right now. Yeah, I think you, you can't take away too much from a, from a team-wide perspective. I mean, like you said, these guys are all backups out there. You know, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty sure that that's a pretty vanilla offense and defense that they're running out there. So it's not like those are the specific plays or, or formations necessarily that, that you're going to be seeing during the regular season. But I, I think you said it absolutely right. It's it's a chance to to kind of get that on tape, on field, full speed development from, from some of those younger guys that, that maybe you don't necessarily 
necessarily get in training camp or even in those joint practices because the starters do get kind of the emphasis and the attention there. So this is really their chance to shine. And really, you you could see some of these guys. You know, the thing about these Rams over the last couple of years, Vinny, they've, they've been so lucky with the health. And, you know, just not losing guys or even when they do not losing them for a long period of time. But I have to tell you, you know, and I know you know this, but this is not normal. I mean, that is not normal for a team to have that kind of, uh, you know, health and, and to be able to roll those starters out there, you know, game after game after game. So there's a very real possibility that, that some of these guys you're seeing in these preseason games might have to step into starting roles at some point. Or it could be a guy like Taylor Rapp plays himself into a bigger role. Or you could see some of these younger defensive linemen, linebackers rotating in and, and creating some value depth. So I think that's really how you have to look at it. You, you certainly don't look at the scores. You certainly don't look at you know what, what types of formations they're running and that sort of thing. That's, that's just kind of window dressing, I, I think. What you really want to look at is, is how are this, each of these young guys performing? How are they growing over the course of those four games? And, and then where does it put them? Uh, going into the into the regular season, I think you said it exactly right, Vinny. It's it's not this is not a formula necessarily. I, I know people are looking at it and saying, well, you know, are all teams going to start to do this? You know, is this the way forward? I, you know, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, you look at a team like you know Cincinnati, for instance. Zach Taylor goes in there. He's he's a brand new coach. He's putting in a brand new system, new staff. You know, I'm sure he's had some new players there. You need those preseason games. You want to get that full speed rep to see what it's like when when your offense gets installed and so it certainly doesn't make sense for for some coaches to to go this route but the Rams in the third year of the same offensive system the same quarterback same running back you know the the defense there's a little bit of change there but the guys who have been brought in Eric Weddle's a veteran guy he's not going to need these preseason games necessarily to to get himself up to speed so it, it makes sense for this team all you can really do is hurt yourself all you can do is to have a Cam Newton or whatever it might be uh, you know to, to go out there and have a devastating injury the risk reward is just not you know it doesn't go in in that favor so uh, there is a little bit of risk I think just because certainly along that offensive line and, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit later too but you know those guys have not had that kind of very, uh, you know, NFL game speed type of uh, experience yet to being out there having to communicate in a very loud environment, you know, against a team coming at you, you know, without he any hesitation at all. So I, I do wonder about that a little bit. But Vinny, I want to I want to toss that back to you. Tell us a little bit about these joint practices that, that you, you know, you watched all of them. I saw a couple of them last year in, in Baltimore. Fans don't get to see these. How close do you think they replicate an actual preseason game? Where, where are they on the scale of, you know, regular training cap practice to actual preseason game? How, how do you think that those, those joint practices fall in? Well, it's interesting because in, in some cases, it's a lot more geared toward like almost not an actual game, but how many plays you're going to get against a, a fellow first team as an opposing player. For instance, number one, you're not tackling to the ground. So that's out. There's not... You're not seeing any of that. So the physicality aspect, the actual tackling aspect, you're not going to see. The quarterbacks are off limits. You, you, you know, you can't touch the quarterbacks. But what you are seeing is, you know, when, when your offensive line can go against the other team's first team defense for 50, 60 plays, 
in a, in a joint practice session, you're not getting that during a preseason game. Typically, you're getting you know maybe ten plays, your fifteen plays there. So you're getting more reps actually against a, a better player, first team, first team. So that that's you know always helpful. You can create situations like for instance in a preseason game you may not get a two-minute offense drill you may not get a four-minute offense drill you may not get a goal line drill or a red zone drill because the situation may not come up in a in a preseason game whereas in a joint practice you know the communication that you have with the other coach you can create that let's have a segment for red zone let's have a segment for this and let's get you know 20 plays in on 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 those type of uh, scenarios so you can better create and better control the situation while also eliminating more of the risk factor. And, and going back real quick to you know some of these younger players that are showing up in these preseason games, the other thing, just to add to what Rich was saying, that the, that the Rams have not been shy about since we've been covering this staff, is they'll get a young guy on the field if they feel he can contribute. I remember when we found out that John Johnson was starting at safety for Mo Alexander. In fact, I think they released... Alexander soon after or, or simultaneous to that move. We we never saw that coming. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for you, but I didn't see it coming necessarily. All of a sudden, this rookie is starting. Well, Wade Phillips knows what he needs to see from, from a guy, whether it's in practice or in a preseason game. He created a role. When, when they traded Alec Ogletree and put Corey Littleton in, who really saw that coming, that they were going to yeah. get rid of a... I know money came into that, but you know when you're talking about a guy that was averaging 100 tackles a year... You're like, for a guy that hadn't started at all, but they saw what they needed to see. So these coaches know what they're looking for. And so some of these younger players, I wouldn't be surprised, as Rich mentioned, if a Taylor Rapp or a Natrez Patrick or whoever the case, or, you know, uh, Dakota Allen, if they're showing enough to the coaches in the classroom and on the field and practice, they're going to get them in there if they feel like they could produce. So that's why this isn't a waste. The pre- I, I still scoff at the, the narrative that these preseason games don't mean anything. I was talking to Sean McVay about this in, in terms of there's still value in seeing how guys respond in it might not be the schematic you know schemes that you're going to see in a regular season game but just the one-on-one battles that guys are winning in regular game type conditions can you beat your man on your way to the quarterback you know can you make the tackle when you're in position to make the tackle it's one thing to be there it's another thing to make the play when it's available to you so and some of these younger players are absolutely doing that so there's value still in the in the in the preseason in that regard so there is i think there's been a lot of valuable data to get from these preseason games so far i'm not so sure we're going to get much you know against the Houston Texans i think most of the decisions probably have already been made on the on the roster but hey it's still one more opportunity for guys to to show what they could do whether it's for the rams or for somebody else yeah Vinny, i don't, I don't think there's any better example of what you're talking about than the offensive line and and what happened even going back to last year when guys like joe noteboom and, and brian allen and austin Blythe they got in those preseason games and made names for themselves performed well and uh, now they're being thrust into bigger roles in in 2019 and and that was part of it because they showed what they could do that they could handle bigger situations and, and as the season went on they grew into those so let's talk about this offensive line Vinny, because this is the entire season to me we, we can talk about Jared Goff and and whether he's going to develop we can talk about Todd Gurley's knee I'm not sure if you heard he has a knee issue we can talk about the defense and who's going to play nose tackle and that sort of thing but to me this whole season hinges on whether that offensive line can can keep together and and I don't know 
I don't know if they can, but I'll tell you what, Vinny, if they do, if this thing, you know, actually works out, Aaron Cromer should demand like a 50% raise or something like that. I mean, what he's been able to do just in, in these past couple of years, looking back when, when he came on in, in 2017, I know I looked at that offensive line and I thought they're going to need to completely revamp this thing. Like they're just going to need to clear everybody out and just bring in, draft a bunch of guys, try to develop some. And the thing that I heard, and, and I know you heard it too, is from, from the Rams was, hey, we want we want Cromer to take a look at these guys. We want him to see what he can do with these guys. And what did he do? Obviously, he brought in Andrew Whitworth, which was huge. But what did he do? He basically resurrected Roger Saffold's career. He got a, a couple pretty serviceable years out of John Sullivan. He took Austin Blythe basically off the, the scrap heap, off the waiver wire, and turned him into an NFL starter. And took kind of molded Rob Havenstein in, into a very serviceable, very you know solid right tackle. And and now here we go again. Now they you know they let Roger Saffold walk. Uh, John Sullivan you know leaves. I, I don't believe he's he's been signed actually. Um, so so he's still out there. And they're plugging in two guys right next to each other: Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen. Neither one of them have any real experience in in NFL regular season games. And now they're going to be asked to hold down that interior of that offensive line on the left side. To me, it's it's a risk. But it also indicates how confident they are, not only in those two young guys, but in Aaron Cromer. Vinny, I know you've talked to Aaron quite a bit, uh, both about those guys and, and about the line in general. Now that you've you've seen it for a little while here, what's your confidence level in this thing? And and you know what should we expect to see when that Carolina game comes around? Are, are these guys going to be ready for for those jobs? Well, first of all, guys, I don't know if we need to talk about anything anymore because Rich basically just said it. The season comes down to whether the offensive line can perform or not. If they do, they win the Super Bowl. If not, it's going to be another six and uh, ten season. So let, we could just go home now, right? It's just the offensive line. That's it. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It, but I and I totally agree with I totally agree with Rich. Um, so much of the Rams' success is predicated on on how these two young linemen perform individually and how they perform cohesively with the remaining you know starters, the carryover over starters. And and I say that, and um, I know I'm stating the obvious, but we all know that Jared Goff, any quarterback, is a much better quarterback when he's got time to throw. We all know that Todd Gurley is a much better running back when there's holes to run through. The wide receivers and the playmakers that they have on the perimeter need time, obviously, to, to run their routes. And this is an offense that's that, that takes chances down the field and, and puts pressure down the field. You need time for those kind of plays to develop. So I'm right with you, Rich, in terms of the importance of this offensive line. And, and, and I completely agree with you on Aaron Cromer, too. He's... He's one of my favorite coaches to cover that I've covered in my career. And what I really respect about him is, you know, no question is dumb to him. And he's all the more helpful, all the more willing to help us as as writers do our job by explaining things. You know, so I have, when I have questions, I go right to the source and write to him. But getting back specifically to, to Joe and, and to Brian, you know, they're, they've been thrust into some pretty important positions. But this has been a year in the planning, if not more so. You know, they drafted Joseph Noteboom. They drafted Brian Allen last year. I think it was, what, the third and, and fourth rounds, respectfully. For this very purpose, they, had, they knew that they were going to need to replace, most likely, either Andrew Whitworth or Roger Saffold. One of those guys was realistically not going to be around this year because of, you know, whether Andrew retired or whether, you know, money came into play, having to put 
resources to, to other positions as they did by saying, you know, reluctantly goodbye to Roger Saffold to, to spend money elsewhere. John Sullivan, tremendous, you know, value that they got out of him for two years. But I think by the end of last year, we were beginning to see, you know, some 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 fading, diminishing in his, in his game. So Brian Allen was basically pegged as the starter pretty much from the day he was drafted. Like he was the eventual starter. And here they are. And one thing, uh, and you can kind of tie this into the way this preseason is going, if you remember, Joe and Brian, uh, Jamel Demby, uh, guy, uh, um, um, you know Austin, they got so many reps during the preseason because they didn't play their starting offensive line throughout the preseason for various reasons. That the reps that they got last year at this time were invaluable, uh, and and even into even into uh, you know the practice because practices during the regular season. Because a lot of times, you know, Andrew would get his day off. Roger Saffold would get his day off. You know, John Sullivan would get time off during practice, you know, as maintenance to get these guys through the season. So who was taking first team reps? Joseph Noteboom, uh, Brian Allen, guys like that. So, um, you know, if there's a way to prepare somebody without actually playing them in the games, these guys went through that development program. Um, and I think that, again, you when you when you look at what these coaches want to see, not just on the field, but in the classroom and on the practice field, it just seems like they know what they have in these two players. And and one reassuring aspect of all of this is the fact that Joseph and, and Brian have not played in the preseason. It pretty much tells you that Sean, Aaron, the offensive staff are completely content and satisfied with where those two players are right now. If they weren't, I think you would have seen them out there trying to get them more up to speed. The fact that they didn't play is a pretty Yeah, definitely. And to me, the hinge guy here is Brian Allen. I, I think we could kind of see the writing on the wall last year in terms of Roger Saffold's contract situation that he probably would hit free agency. John Sullivan, you know, the option was there. And like you said, Vinny, you could see the play starting to, to fall off a little bit. So neither one of those was a big surprise. But, you know, when I was looking down the line, I wondered – if Austin Blythe would slide over to center. That was kind of his natural position in college. It's where he started out in the NFL. He'd been continuing to cross-train there. I thought looking at it, when I was going through the scenarios, I thought, well, maybe they put Noteboom at, at left guard, but maybe they put Blythe at center if for no other reason than he, he you know, he has some experience and, and he could play next to a you know guy who is less experienced and, and maybe help him out a little bit. But the fact that they put both of those guys, Noteboom and Allen, next to each other tells me that they have pretty good confidence in Brian Allen. I don't think they put him out there in that situation, in that important position next to essentially another rookie with without having that confidence that, that he could get the job done. So out of those guys, he's going to be the one who, who I most have you know my, my closest eye on. And I, I like you said, Vinny, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this impacts Jared Goff. There's all kinds of stats out there, those advanced stats about how he performs with a clean pocket versus how he performs under pressure against blitzes, that sort of thing. So there's certainly going to be some type of, of change here. It's, it's not going to be exactly the same from, from what he had last year. It'll either be you know slightly worse right. or who knows, maybe even slightly better. But we, we obviously have not seen Jared Goff <laughs> Since the Super Bowl, it's not a great lasting memory for, for Rams fans to, to have that be the last time they actually saw Jared Goff in a game. Uh, he's obviously, you know, participated in, in the full training camp and, and all the practices. But, you know, what do you think, Vinny? Where, where, where is Jared's game right now? He obviously didn't perform well in the Super Bowl. He performed very well in those other playoff games. 
there's so much chatter about out there about whether or not he's a quote unquote elite quarterback. But what do you think if you, if you had to you know guess here where we're going to see Jared's game evolve in in 2019? What what what, what are you looking at? Well, I'm going to get to that in one second. One more thing about Brian Allen. I think that, uh, you know, our listeners will be interested in, in this. There isn't a more confident kind of assured personality than Brian Allen. And I say that in a really good way. And I think you have to be like that as a center because you are in charge of so much at that position and you cannot be a wallflower. You have got to be assertive. You have to be confident. And you're talking about a first time starter. It would be natural for guys to defer or, you know, be demure, you know, not, not as, as assertive and confident. You're not going to see any of that. I trust me with Brian Allen. He's the complete opposite. And I think that's going to work in his favor. So I think he's already of the mindset and the mentality of I'm going to take charge here of this position. Obviously, you got Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, veterans that you know are, are are basically the leaders of that offensive line. But when it gets down to the line of scrimmage, a snap needs to be made, a read needs to be made. He's not going to be shy about doing what he needs to do. So that's really, to me, a, a good sign. And he's strong as an ox, a former wrestler, plays with a chip on his shoulder. I'm really excited to see you know, what, what he brings to the table. Now, on to, on to Jared Goff. What, what's interesting to me about Jared Goff is even a guy that went to the Super Bowl is going into his next season as he did the year before that and the year before that, obviously, with not necessarily a chip on his shoulder, but something to prove. You know, there, now all of a sudden the doubts have started again. The doubts were there, obviously, after his rookie year. The doubts were going into his third year, can he repeat his regular season or was he a flash in the pan his sophomore year? And oh, by the way, they lost to the Atlanta Falcons and he didn't look all that good necessarily. The whole offense didn't look good in that game. So, you know, it, was he more of the regular season Jared Goff or was he the you know Atlanta Falcon Jared Goff? Now, you know, this year after a great regular season, played fabulously against the New Orleans Saints to basically lead the Rams back into the Super Bowl. Yes, he had a bad game against the New England Patriots in Atlanta, but that was a collaborative effort. A, the offensive line got beat badly in that game. And I think every offensive line w- w- lineman would tell you that. Sean McVay has not been shy, uh, and I applaud him for this, about kicking himself and taking a, you know, shouldering a lot of the responsibility for, for how the offensive game plan was set up and how it unfolded during the game. Jared Goff obviously didn't play well, but I think that there was some extenuating circumstances that contributed to that. And I think collectively between Sean McVay, he's not going to let that happen again. My money is on him to make you know whatever changes, whatever adjustments he needs to make so that if they encounter that same kind of a defense, he's going to be better prepared to deal with it. And as a result, Jared Goff will be uh, better prepared to, to deal with it. I think that he's got room to grow. I think his play against zone defenses and under pressure, obviously you alluded to the numbers, but, you know, they, they aren't good. They haven't been good in those scenarios. But I think between some of the things that they're going to do a little bit differently offensively to combat a bigger pass rush or zone type defenses, I think you're going to see that in his play, reflected in his play. They've, they've worked a lot on it during training camp, OTAs. I've seen them. It, it just seems like they've made a point you know, to, to set him up against, you know, a lot of zone coverage, a lot of different looks up front, pressure packages that, that you know, maybe have gave him trouble last year. And that's how you learn. That's how you get better. So I suspect, you know, my, my instinct is is that he's going to be better in some of the situations that he wasn't so good in last year. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, there's no point in kind of relitigating the Super Bowl at this point, you know, as it's come and gone. But if we're assigning blame, I, I, you know, I put Sean McVay at the top of that list. And, and I know Sean does too. 
So he, he wouldn't argue that point, just, you know, not not either being prepared enough for, for what he might face or, or making those in-game adjustments. And did Jared have a good game? No, you, you said it too, Vinny, and he, he did not. But the Patriots played a fantastic game, and that should not be forgotten either. They they had an excellent scheme. They, they executed it perfectly, and it was their day, and they got the better of Jared, and, and they got the better of Sean that day. But it, it still kind of amazes me. You know, I, I don't know what it is, and we, we've got a long season to talk about this. I'm sure we'll talk about Jared quite a bit. But but just that, uh, you know, that reluctance among people, whether it's media or fans or analysts, whatever, to, you know, to, to continue to cast doubt on Jared is, is a little bit, you know, surprising to me. I don't quite know where it's coming from. Uh, you, you, this is a guy who, who led a very good, a great offense to the Super Bowl. And I, I don't think I don't know how you can look at that and say the quarterback is a weak point on a team that that had arguably the best offense in, in the NFL and made it to the Super Bowl. How many quarterbacks, you know, how many bad quarterbacks have, have led a good offense to the Super Bowl? And I know people will look back and say, oh, you know, Trent Dilfer made the Super Bowl or Kerry Collins made the Super Bowl or what. But those were, as I recall, you know, pretty defensive minded teams. I mean, Jared took a team that had a high powered offense to the Super Bowl, to the fourth quarter, and, and very easily could have won the Super Bowl. So it, it's a little bit baffling to me that people continue to kind of cast doubt and question whether he's even, you know, in the top half of NFL quarterbacks or what have you. But I, I know we'll get into to, to more of that as the as the season goes on, but uh, it's it's weird to me. Well, yeah, and, and you know, the, the, there's two quarterbacks in the NFL who over the last two years have played every game Okay, he only played 15 games two years ago. But one of those, the 16th game, they sat him out because everything had been, you know, cinched by, by that by that last regular season game. So it wasn't injury-related. There's two quarterbacks who have essentially remained healthy the entire season, played all, all the games that they were asked to, had a quarterback rating of over 100, and led their teams to division championships. Two quarterbacks. One was Drew Brees. The other was Jared Goff. And oh, by the way... Jared Goff has won more games than any co- any quarterback in the NFL, or his team has won more games than any any team in the NFL over that course of time. His offense has scored more points than any other team in the NFL across that you know the, those two years. So it's it's hard for me to to really wrap my head around you know the the criticism that he still gets. Is it seems like people kind of cherry pick moments or cherry pick you know information to cast doubt on him. When I've seen a quarterback. That just continues to get better, and I'll, I'll 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 say this, you know, I was there up in Napa when he practiced against the Raiders and against the Chargers as well the week before. There was a practice against the Raiders where I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback play any better in a in a in a setting like that. He was just dropping dimes all over the place into coverage, making plays, you know, using his feet getting flushed out of the pocket and going off script to complete a touchdown pass to Gerald Everett, which were a ball that needed to be in one, could only be in one spot in the back of the end zone that split two defenders and, and he put it right there. So I see this guy performing in, in those type of situations and I'm just shaking my head going, wow, this guy's really good. And I and I suspect that's going to gonna continue and I think he's going to be the Rams quarterback for a long, long time. And yes, we'll obviously get into all of that, you know, the whole system quarterback nonsense, which is just ridiculous because you could ask Sean Bay anytime you want, next time you see him, hey, do you think you could take any quarterback and, and, and make him as good as Jared Goff? He'll laugh at you. 
He'll literally laugh at you like, yeah, that's no, <laughs> that doesn't, that's not how this all works. I don't care how smart I am. I don't care how savvy I am or how creative my offense is. I'm not taking anybody and being able to make him something that he's not. Jared Goff is a quarterback that has the skill set to be able to run this offense at, at the highest of levels. And I think Sean McVay of all people understand For that. sure. I, I agree. You know, I'm sure in future episodes, we'll, we'll talk about his contract situation as well. I, I think he'll be a Ram for, for quite a long time, but we'll see how that plays out. And and the other thing we have to keep an eye on, we, we, we know who the quarterback is going to be. We're less certain about who the running back is going to be. So who Jared Goff is, is going to be handed off, handing the ball off to. So we certainly couldn't get through an inaugural podcast without talking about Todd Gurley's knee. So here we are. It's the end of the, the preseason, basically. As expected, Todd has been held out of the entire preseason. He's been on kind of a reduced training camp schedule. It's all part of a plan, a plan that's that's been set in place since early in the offseason, I believe, at, le- at least the framework of, of that plan. And I know you get this too, Vinny, every every radio interview you do, every fan you talk to, you know, what's going on with Todd? Is he going to make it through the year? And, you know, you can speak to this in, in greater detail. But the thing I've told people is nobody knows. And anybody who tells you that it's either going to work perfectly or that it's going to be a complete failure or this or that, nobody knows how this is going to go. Sean McVay doesn't know. Todd Gurley doesn't know how this is going to go. It's it's all predicated on how that knee feels, how it holds up over the course of the season. And I know, Vinny, you've you've spent so much time talking to these coaches and management and such about, you know, the plan. I, I think from my perspective, they are just trying to put him in the best possible position to, to have success during the season. There's no guarantees, and there's no guarantee that at some point they're not going to have to amend the plan or change it a little bit to depending on how he's feeling. Maybe he's feeling better than they than they thought he would. But I, I think at, at this point, it's just kind of crossing the fingers and, and hoping that, that this plan that they've had him on helps him when those big games come around in in November, December, and, and hopefully January. Like you said, that's the great unknown. We don't know where he's going to be physically at that point in the season. But if you want to talk about starting points, where we are right now, and I've watched you know Todd as intently as, as anyone looking for every the slightest bit of limps or grimaces or, or anything, he looks fantastic. Okay, so if we're talking about a starting point, he looks great. He looks explosive. He looks athletic. He looks healthy. Okay. If we go back to last year, it was how he looked right up until that Philadelphia Eagle game in what? Early December. Um, something happened in that game. Okay. Something, uh, what I've been told, he took a couple of big time hits in that game. Okay. And I think the yeah. common, what the, what the Rams have deduced from that experience after going through him missing the next two games and, and sort of being on and off uh, it, during the playoffs in, in January. I think what they have figured out is that the combination of the big hits that he took in the Philadelphia game with some heavy usage throughout the course of the season, I think Les Snead told me that, I don't know, there's like some GPS system that, that you know they have. And, and he, he was talking about how if you chart the GPS of Todd Gurley, nobody has you know, covered more ground in the NFL of running backs. I'll just say of running backs. It might be in the entire NFL offensive players than, than Todd Gurley. Okay, so there's been a lot of heavy usage. We've all talked about how much use they, you know, how, how heavily they lean on him these last couple of seasons. So I think they feel like 
the combination of the heavy use, the big hits that he took in that Philadelphia Eagles game, plus the fact that just naturally a knee that's been reconstructed or was reconstructed, what, four or five years before as a junior at Georgia is just going to show some inevitable deterioration. It's just going to happen. Okay, so, but they're all, they're saying, okay, but up until that game, he was completely fine. In fact, he was on target to challenge for his second straight NFL Offensive Player of the Year award. He was that good up until that point. And then after that, obviously, you know, it, it went downhill. They feel because of all of these various components that kind of conspired against him. So going back to what I started off with, the starting point is that he's healthy right now. He looks great. The plan in place is to help ensure that that stays the case for the long haul. And so what they're willing to give up early on in the season or through the earlier parts of the season is maybe some of his usage during game. He's not going to miss any games. This isn't going to be like a true workload management program like Kawhi Leonard was on where he sat out, what, 20, 23 games strategically to ensure that he was going to be healthy for the playoffs. They're going to slow down his usage during this early part of the season in terms of touches and plays and snap counts and all of that in order so that even if he does take a big hit later on in December, the knee should be in much better condition to deal with whatever happens at that point. You know, knock on wood for them, it never even gets to that point. But if it does, they feel like the plan that they have in place from a game usage standpoint to a practice usage standpoint will put him in a better position to be able to deal with, you know, the wear and tear of a, of a regular season. But like you said, you just don't know. So how he looks now, it's a great starting point, but how is he going to look in December and how is he going to look in this, in January? And we're not going to know that until December and January come around. Fascinating to see, Vinny. Well, well, we'll be here for all of it and we'll be back after Thursday's preseason game. Vinny will be there in Houston to check out how all those final roster spot battles play out. So, so we'll bring that to you on Friday, break that all down and look forward to game week so thanks everybody for checking out our first edition of 11 personnel and we'll look forward to bringing the episodes on monday and friday so check us out on twitter Vinny is at Vinny bonsignor i am at rich underscore hammond and just a heads up everybody you can catch the podcast at theathletic.com slash 11 personnel tell all your friends you know i know for our subscribers you'll have access to it but but your fellow ram fans out there if you can if you can pass the word along that we're going to be here all year so you can catch us there for the podcast and obviously you know you can catch our stories uh, at theathletic.com we'll be bringing you in-depth analysis commentary feature stories gamers everything from right now to the end of the season and beyond obviously at the athletics so uh, so check us out there and pass the word along uh, we're going to be here for the whole season we're excited about it we're beyond excited about getting started so the more the merrier and again any suggestions just hit us up or however you hit us up and we're all ears for all that kind of stuff so thank you so much for being a part of the the, the inaugural 11 personnel rams podcast super excited about this and i know rich feels the same yeah thanks again everybody and we'll talk to you on friday